today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Worry about nothing. How? By praying about everything and thanking God for anything. And when you do, not only will you worry about nothing, but if you set your mind to think on, and by the way, the word thank comes from think, and if you think about it, you realize how much you have to be thankful for, if you think about it. So Paul says, think on these things, whatsoever things are. And here's another list, if you want. Choosing gratitude has gained popularity in recent years. But did you know that it has its roots in the Bible? In today's message, Pastor J.D. reminds you that being grateful can profoundly affect your everyday life. You'll be better able to fight against worry and entitlement when you look for all that God has given you. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in 2 Timothy chapter 3 as he continues his message, Terrible Times. Okay, let's move on before we get way too convicted here. It gets worse, by the way, just so you know. Proud. Now again, obviously, (laughs) if we love ourselves and boast about ourselves, we're going to become full of ourselves. Right? I mean, it's... But last time I checked, pride still comes before the fall. Number five, abusive. Now, some translations render this word blasphemers, and it has this idea of profaning God. Hang on to that which is a result of exalting self. Now stay with me. The word profane, I think maybe is misunderstood because it it has this idea of making common, profaning, bringing down to a lower level. That is to profane, to make common. So let's take that understanding and that definition and put it into the template of this word here. Is it not true that if I'm going to exalt self, in order to exalt self, I've got to bring down everybody but self, including God? By the way, sadly, This plays out in many a marriage relationship. We're going to talk about marriage in a moment. Where the man cuts down and condescends and talks down to the wife. You don't realize, husband, you're you're just, she's dying inside. And then you wonder why she's the way she is. I'm reminded of that proverb. I want to say, ah, I forget chapter and verse, basically says this that there are several things that the earth cannot bear up under. And one of those things in that list is a wife who is not loved by her husband, an unloved woman. Because you see, that's the way God made the woman. 
is to be loved. And so when the husband, in his folly and insecurity, brings her down, he's doing so to bring himself up. That's the why, if you will, behind the what. Number six. (laughs) Okay. Disobedient to their parents. Now at first read, you're going to read that and go, yeah, kids these days, right? Oh, this generation. Okay, well, wait a minute. Let's look a little bit deeper. Let's dig a little bit deeper. This is one of the clearest signs of the last days, the breakdown of the family. Think about it like this. The family relationship, the marriage relationship, is a microcosm of our relationship with one another and our Heavenly Father. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, siblings. I hate to say it like that because, you know, (laughs) siblings means sibling rivalry. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, He's our heavenly Father. Uh, Also, we're the bride of Christ. So I guess it makes some sense in some way, again, not to excuse it, but to explain it. This is why the enemy will do everything and stop at nothing to destroy the family, and he succeeded in large measure because of what the family represents. And look at society today. Look at the church today. Is it no wonder that we're in the condition that we're in? I mean, I... I deliberately chose not to include any statistics. I think this is depressing enough. We don't need more statistics, right? But they surely bear out the statistics of families. We're talking about Christians here. Christian marriages that that are still together. How about the children? Number seven, ungrateful. This is a biggie. I mean, they're all biggies, but this is a biggie, biggie. (laughs) Any talk of people not having an attitude of gratitude has to include a discussion of the age of entitlement that we're living in. Oh, that was a (laughs) And and again, I'm just as guilty as anybody. I know kids these days are so entitled. Okay, what about you? What about you? I'm owed this. I should have this. Of course you should because it's all about you. So you're entitled. And with entitlement, out goes gratitude. Ungrateful. Not thankful. I think one of the most unattractive traits 
in a Christian is being ungrateful. Uh, I think this is the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to mention this. Maybe it's for somebody here. Philippians 4, 6-8. through 8, Worry about nothing. How? By praying about everything and thanking God for anything. And when you do, not only will you worry about nothing, but if you set your mind to think on, and by the way, the word thank comes from think, and if you think about it, you realize how much you have to be thankful for, if you think about it. So Paul says, think on these things, whatsoever things are. And here's another list, if you want. Try this. I dare you. (laughs) If you can, it's not going to be an easy do. Oh, easier said than done. Turn everything off and just think about everything that you can thank God for. I promise you, you'll, you'll, you'll never run out of things. And I'm not talking about, I mean, surely the big things, but I'm talking about anything, little things. You know, sometimes I think we would do well to just thank God that we have fingers on our hands, that we have hands, so we can text and post on social media. <laughs> What would we do without those thumbs? Or if you're older, it's the... (laughs) Just thankful for it. You know what happens? And, And this is the way God has wired us, by the way. You start thinking about all that you have to be thankful and grateful for, and all of a sudden it's like this. And what were you worried about again? Huh. What was I thinking? You weren't! Number eight, unholy. You know what unholiness means? No holiness. I know that's deeply profound, right? (laughs) No, I was thinking about this. I, I hope I don't botch this because it's a local thing. I learned this many years ago when we first moved here. What aloha means. It means give breath, life, ha. And then I learned what haoli means. Thank you for laughing. (laughs) It means no breath. Ha, no. (laughs) That's what it means. Am I right? I'm right, right? Okay, I'm going somewhere with this. I actually have a profound point that I'm going to make here. Just wait for it. No breath. Haole. No hole. I, sh- I should have prayed about that one a little bit more. Did you get it? Did you get it? Tell me you got it. Just tell me anyway you got it. Okay, here's another one. We'll try this one. Okay, just tr- bear with me. Into the cola market, a new soda, 7-Up. But the lion's share of the soda market is Pepsi-Cola and Coca-Cola. Here comes 7-Up. 
How are they going to get the share of the market? Oh, brilliant campaign. The un-cola. No cola. Can we just use that one? Unholy. No holiness. No reverence. Ungodly. No God. No interest in the things of God. Unholiness. Number nine, without love. Now, this is a interesting word in the original language because you have to understand in Greek they have four words for love. We only have one in English. So I say I love my wife, I love my kids, I love uh, spicy ahi poke, <laughs> I love, I love, I love, right? Same word, love my kids most of the time. Um, when they're obedient. <laughs> so in Greek, you have four different words. You have agape, storge, eros, and philia. Agape is the love that God has for us. It's unconditional, unfailing love. Philia is where we get Philadelphia. It's a brotherly love, a friendship love. Um, eros is where we get our English word erotic. It's a sensual, physical, sexual love. And then storge, translated natural affection, is the love that a parent has for their child and that their child has for the parent. That's what he's talking about here. Now, what he's saying is that in the last days, there's not going to be any astorge love, parental love, the natural affection. Think abortion. And again, please, I, I think we do err greatly as pastors when we harp on abortion. Abortion is not the unforgivable sin. And if you in your life, in your past, have had any part in an abortion, God loves you, God forgives you. You know why God hates it? Why God hates divorce? He doesn't hate the divorced. He doesn't hate someone for having an abortion. He hates what divorce and abortion do to the person that's divorced and that has the abortion. Again, this is protection. He's protecting us from needless pain and suffering. And that's really what the Ten Commandments are, by the way. One has affectionately referred to them as the tender commandments from a loving, tender, heavenly Father who says, don't do that because I love you so much and I'm trying to spare you from the consequences of murder, adultery, covetousness, all ten of them. Unforgiving. This word can also be translated truce breakers, and it has this idea of breaking a covenant, citing irreconcilable differences. Again, this speaks to the family, to marriage, and divorce. But interesting, unforgiving. 
Well, that's it right there. Marriage requires, it is mandatory, that you forgive. If you carry it, and for years, then what happens is a seed of bitterness begins to germinate and sprout, and it will destroy your life. And again, it's not because God said so. No, it's because God loves you, and He cannot stand to see you be destroyed from the inside out by bitterness, unforgiveness. So much so, that when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, Jesus included in that template of prayer, if you want to see it like that, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. So here's how it works, and it does work. I'm able to forgive because I myself have been the recipient of God's forgiveness. You know, as a husband and a wife, you withhold forgiveness, and and then it starts building resentment. God is faithful. He's gentle, patient, long-suffering. I know for me, many times he's had to, this is before email, he, he faxed, fax me. You know, remember fax machines? Remember what those were? You know, the thermal roll, and that that roll was long. All the things. Did you, did, you're withholding, forget, did you forget how much I, let me, I'll send you a fax. That thing just kept rolling. I ran out of paper. Uh, Arial narrow, 10 fonts, a single space too. I'm looking at all the things that I, and I'm, I'm withholding forgiveness? Wow. Number 11, I need to spend a little bit of time on this, if you'll just kindly allow me to. Slanderous? Slanderous? You know what this word is in the original? Diabolos. You know what Diabolos is? You ready? Wait for it. Devil! That's what that means. Slanderer, accuser of the brethren, slander, diabolos. You know what's sad? It's not just Christians, it's pastors. My heart is so grieved when I see YouTube videos that pastors put out and they are just slandering their brother in Christ. And you know what's interesting is, I would say that within the last probably three years, maybe five years at the most, it has gotten infinitely worse. And it's a marker of the last days. Do you realize that when you slander somebody, you're doing the devil's bidding? We just saw that at the end of chapter 2, that Satan takes captive Christians to do his will. And Paul writes to Timothy and says, pray for them that they repent and come to their senses. They don't realize that Satan is using them 
to do his dirty work for him and instead of him. We are never more like Satan than when we slander and falsely accuse and gossip. You're destroying people. And is that not what Satan's aim is? Jesus said the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And there are three names given to the enemy. He's the accuser of the brethren, he's the author of confusion, and he's the father of lies. You know, for me, I and again, I search my heart, Lord, it's something Oswald Chambers once said, well said. It's not, have you been wronged? It's, have you wronged? So Lord, search my heart and see if there be any slander on my part. Guard my heart. I don't want to do this. I know what it's like to be on the receiving end of this. It's not fun. It hurts bad. You know that saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Ha! Are you kidding me? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can absolutely devastate me. Oh, it hurts so bad. So mean. Diabolos, slanderous. Number 12, without self-control. I think this sort of speaks for itself. Self-control? Of course. (laughs) Should come as no surprise, given that it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit, and there's no holy. (laughs) So there's not going to be any fruit of the Holy Spirit. Number 13, brutal. Now this has the idea of violent, savage, murderous. And I suppose in all fairness it could be argued that, you know, people have always been (laughs) savage and violent and brutal. But I want you to think about this. Everything on this list today in this, the last days, is simultaneous. Well, one might say, you know, uh, we've really become more civilized. Really? I don't think so. Yeah, but you know, back in the day they were brutal and savage and... Really? Oh, we might look on the outward appearance to be more civilized, but the inward... (laughs) You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from 2 Timothy with Pastor J.D., approach each piece of wisdom prayerfully and ask God to show you how you can apply what you learn to your own life. He can and does teach you through His Word, so keep reading. As we continue to learn from the book of 2 Timothy together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know how we can be doing that for you? 
just fill out the contact form that you'll find under the About tab at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube pages on our website. And we encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kamiohe and In Spirit and Truth. If you're not part of a local church that you can call home, we encourage you to find and begin regularly attending one in your area. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website, in spiritandtruthradio.com. While you're there, you can also find more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates and the ABCs of salvation. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this in-depth, verse-by-verse study of 2 Timothy on In Spirit and Truth. 